Test, test. Test, test. Rainbow Nation. Pride inside. Hello, Christine. Hello, Russell. <laughs> I don't know what I was going with that. I didn't know if I was going to say your last name or not. That's okay. Um, hello again uh, for another wonderful Rainbow Nation podcast. This is episode... Seven. Seven. Yes. Crazy. Yes, yes. And we're ending kind of our quarantine time or self-isolation or partial self-isolation. I wouldn't say ending. I would say maybe putting on pause because, you know, the, there's always talk of a second wave coming. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. So... So we I have like a sliver of an opportunity to enjoy the, the outdoors, maybe. When a, you can double your bubble. When you can like, you know, in a limited capacity. Certainly not in the sense where you just go out where like as if the corn or as if COVID and all of that coronavirus is over. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's still very much a threat. A threat. Um, I think just everyone is really mindful. Right. Yeah, hopefully, mm-hmm. right? Because um, otherwise, I don't know, some days are good, some days are bad, just like anything else. Yeah. Uh, like, do, do you wear masks when you go out? Um, I did, and I have, but then I forget. <laughs> and I haven't been going out that much. Like, I haven't yeah. gone to the grocery store that much. I've come here to see you. Yeah. Um, today and, was, my son went back to school for the afternoon today. Oh, wow. How, was he okay with that? Was he? Yeah, he was pretty excited. Oh, so okay. we'll see what he's like after school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for a return to the new normal yeah. and working yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I've, uh, where I work, we're doing like food boxes for our members. Mm-hmm. So we have like so many protocols and safety precautions that that's all included with that so of course you know wearing masks and sanitizing and making sure you know you're physically distant is it's like but then like you said you know we're human we forget we're like yeah oh we're just here you know on the doing whatever so so yeah keep washing your hands people absolutely quit touching your face as i was just touching my face (laughs) (laughs) so um we're here it's um June 1st. June 1st. Happy Pride! Happy Pride Month. Yeah, Pride Inside. Pride Inside, yes. That's the I, I, that's the the way it's being kind of mm-hmm. presented, so... It's my first Pride. It's going to be a virtual Pride, so nice. I'm excited. That's awesome. Um, I'll let you know what I get up to. <laughs> and it's exciting, too, um, because our guest today is, is from Prince Rupert and exciting. And, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And we're talking about the restaurant industry. Yes. So this person is totally open and Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think quite a few people will know who we have as a guest. So Awesome. So um, with it being Pride, do you have any quending by any chance? I do. My quending is actually a question that I think when we load or when we upload the podcast, Mm -hmm. if people want to comment on... PR Pride, how they're going to celebrate Pride and awesome. what they're going to do. Like, I'm hoping to attend a virtual drag show and some Pride <laughs> festivities from UBC. And however many comments we get about what people are doing for Pride, we will give away a root hat randomly. Nice. So I'll number the comments. And, right on. And then yeah. just go from there. So that'll be on Prince for Pride on the Facebook page? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just from there, or are you going to include, like, because I know you do have, like, your own little... I think if we just keep it on PR Pride, then it's easy to keep okay. track. So okay. Awesome. 
Well, we ordered 50 more root pats. Um, Sweet! So how's, how's that all going for... It's great. We sold 75 and um, I'll be donating money to the PRMS Skittles group and to Charles Hayes. That's amazing. Um, we also have an LGBT scholarship that um, was given for $1,000 from an anonymous donor at Charles Hayes. So what? That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. And yeah, I just, I want to know what people are doing because I think it'll inspire people at home to check into a virtual pride. Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping there's lots of events to attend. Because I mean, that has so many uh, connotations, right? Or like, I mean, it's a virtual pride. If it's your very first pride, like, yeah, like yeah. for you, then, you know, um, there's no pressure to act a certain way or just mm -hmm. to, just to be present yeah basically. yeah i'm really looking forward to it that's awesome yeah sweet what I, about your quinding my quinding um well okay so it's more of like a comment so it's it's june first you know mm -hmm. um and with the kind of um kind of the activity that's been going on from the states mm -hmm. from the last week to now um, what I've noticed is a lot of, um, LGBT, um, I don't want to say personalities, but, you know, uh, influencers, mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing. Um, you know, people with a platform, people with a voice, they're very much standing up, especially the Caucasian, the, the white, mm -hmm. um, audience to the white audience. They're very, uh, standing up in allyship yeah. with Black yeah. Lives Matter and all of the protests and... Mm -hmm. uh, all that activity done uh, I'm literally glued to my phone like before you came here I was just like scrolling and yeah watching what's happening yeah it's yeah. it's a amazing uh b scary mm -hmm. and just everything you know like what else can 2020 bring yeah I mean we definitely have had a lot and and you know the images with George Floyd being mm -hmm. killed and mm -hmm. you know super horrific um, in scary times, but, you know, his brother was on the news saying, you know, to people like, let's stay calm, let's keep calm, mm -hmm. but it does take you back to all the riots in the past and, yeah. and the movements and yeah. like the, the first pride was mm -hmm. a riot. Yeah. Um, and this has to stop. Like we, yeah. we have to stop hurting each other and yeah. we need to stand together. And, and I think through the whole pandemic, one of the things that I have been really aware of is just how kind people are trying to be. Right. Like, you know, through yes. this time, because it's yeah. hard on everybody. Absolutely. And, and maybe this is just two people just feeling so cooped up and, and upset, and, and then it turns to rage and anger. And, and it's. Sure, yeah. Well, and it's a horrifying situation. Yeah, where I mean, where you're basically sitting in a pressure cooker. By yourself watching all of this and then and just, you know, when you're confronted with that kind of opposition, of course mm -hmm. it's going to explode. And, yeah. you know, uh, what I love is all of these um, people across social media are saying, here's where you can donate. Like, if you can't show up, if yeah, you, if this you, is if what you, you can't can participate, this yeah. is how you help. This is how you educate yourself. This is how you use your voice and your platform. So that's it's um, that in itself is a great conversation to start. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just quite, quite something to see the progression of 2020 from mm -hmm. Australian fires to the, the pipeline protests here in Canada with the mm -hmm. Indigenous people and their allies to coronavirus to 
murder hornets, which is like total. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the death of George Floyd. Yeah, and absolutely. before that it was um Armand and Yeah. And yeah, we need countless to just... others that, you know, needlessly lost their life. Yeah. For yeah. And I think we really need to do some healing too, you know. Yeah. And I'm hoping with pride that love and yes. the healing and the vibes yes. and you know yeah. I mean, and reach people. There were there were uh protests or not um rallies, sorry, in Toronto, um Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. They were very peaceful. There was yeah. no you know, as far as I saw it, there was no uh backlash to that. Uh in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I saw there was this huge, great big rally, and it was amazing. And one of the things where, you know, you have that voice in your head, just like, okay, so it's still a pandemic. How are people still? But, mm -hmm. you know, people are wearing their masks and yeah, obviously not socially distant or physically distant, but still they're showing up. Yeah. So it's, um, it's quite something. It's trying times. So Absolutely. definitely people out there, you know... Take care of yourselves. Be kind yes. to yourselves. And enjoy our podcast coming up. Yes, yes, yes. It's um, it's very, very interesting. And uh, the person who we interviewed is so incredibly passionate. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really excited for people to hear that passion. And hopefully that translates to igniting a conversation in yourself to doing something. Yeah, and, and definitely elevating your soul. Right? Absolutely. Feeding your soul, feeding, you know, and getting those good vibes and just got a little shiver. Yay! Okay, so <laughs> okay, thanks so, for coming to listen. Yes, so we'll see you in a minute. Am I talking first? <laughs> Hello, Russell oh, and hi. Blake. Hi, Christine. How are you? Hi, Christine. I'm good. How are you, Blake? Good, really good. Good. That's good. So our, our guest today is Blake. Blake. Flan. Flan, sorry. Um, Blake, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. Hi, I'm Blake Flan, and I used to live in Prince Rupert. I was born and raised there. Okay. Exciting. That's and now exciting. you're in Canmore, Alberta, right? Yeah. Yes. Awesome. What what do you do in, in Alberta right now? I'm currently in the process of opening a new restaurant. Snap. Wow. So yeah. we've been following you a bit on Instagram. And um, how long have you been in the, like, in the culinary field? Uh, 20 years now. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. You're like... 15, though. How could you... How, how is that possible? <laughs> I, I started working in a dish pit when I was 12 in Alberta. Oh, wow. Um, in the summer times when I spent my time with my dad here. Um, and, you know, at that time, it's only like you can only work like four hours a day or something like that at that age. But the next summer, I was 13 and I could work full shifts. And I just worked my way up from there. And I'm 32 now. So, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> That's awesome. And did yeah. you did you go to school too? Yeah, I went to um, the Pacific Culinary Institute on Vancouver in Vancouver on Granville Island. How how what was that process like? Was it like a long kind of a course or no? I actually did an expedited one. Um, it was actually only six months, but it's um, I did my research and it's a lot. I found it a lot better for me learning wise because. 
you would do your theory in the morning and then do hands off for hands on for the rest of the day. Uh-huh. Um, and it was six months solid straight for eight hours every single day. Um, it was wow. an amazing experience. No kidding. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm kind of like flirting with the idea of going to school for like, for, for pastry school, like yeah. for, for desserts and stuff like that. So like just, listening to people talk about their process and you know basically what you're doing like living your your dream and stuff like that yeah is really really exciting so it's uh it's kind of inspiring to listen to so yeah that school is great for pastry too if you ever wanted to look into it okay, they have an accelerated awesome. course there as well so and like i've been looking at uh one online it's like in australia but it's like an online thing or whatever um her name is yeah. kirsten tibbles she's like this huge chocolatier it's She's like, yeah, fascinating to watch. So uh, I'm just kind of curious, like if, if like, you know, with everything going on with like coronavirus and COVID, if everyone yeah. would be going like in that kind of route. Right. I mean, I personally would always like to see things go back to hands on, but right. whatever works for some people. But I think cooking and pastry, you really do need to be hands on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your specialty? Like, tell us a little bit about your restaurant. Are you allowed to talk about it or? Yeah, no, totally. I can talk about it. Um, So my new concept for my new restaurant, I'm calling it pop culture cuisine. And basically that for me that just, I don't really have one specific genre of food that I cook or one specific trend or style or um, country. You know, I don't focus on Italian or Mexican or anything. I am a chef and I just naturally love all food throughout the, the world and food, our food scene's forever changing and there's always trends that come and go, whether it be sustainable or something as trendy as a ramen burger or something like that, right? And I consider that pop culture. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm labeling my food as now. So if you come into my restaurant, you'll be able to have different tastes and flavors from all over, things that are happening in Canada, things that are happening in the States, things that are happening abroad, Um, Because I do a lot of research on my food and I do a lot of eating, obviously, and traveling. And I go to a lot of different restaurants and I do a lot of um, research on the Internet. So that's kind of my theme I'm going for this time around. Right on. Mm -hmm. And um, how long have you like have you run your own restaurant before or is this all new for you? Yeah, this would technically be my third restaurant. Holy crap. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, amazing. That I've owned, I guess, and then the um I've ran other ones as well before that. So wow. I've helped open other ones too. So like d- forgive the um maybe kind of stupid question here, but do you have to like live and breathe? Like you know how people say you have to live live, breathe and you know, like twenty four hours is this consuming your life basically or are you like giving yourself some space to um no you need to it's basically a 24-hour job wow yeah all the time you always have to be on call there's always something going on so it's time consuming but it's worth it if you love it right for sure totally um how big will your restaurant be like um I know with COVID restrictions too like I think it's maximum six per table right now um like how many people will you be able to have in your restaurant? So my restaurant, this one's a smaller one compared to what I've done before in the past. Like the last one was like 300 seats, including the patio. But this one will only be just under 50 seats. But then 
with our patio after the COVID restrictions with about 50% capacity inside and outside, I'm hoping we'll be able to have 30 seats. Wow. So 25 inside ish, give or take maybe a bit less once I actually get in there, once the construction's done and I can space things out properly. And then for sure I'll be able to have, um, you know, 10 to 12 outside. Super cool. Um, yeah. Um, what can you, are you allowed to talk about the name of your restaurant or is that total yeah. secret? No, I can talk about that for sure. Um, so the name of it is 4296 and it's literally the numbers 4296 and we've gone with branding where you can either spell it out or use the numbers and the, um, the meaning of that is actually Canmore's elevation in the downtown core and Canmore to me is a very special place and I'm going for this whole elevated concept, um, within the space. So Again, I've dined out a lot and stuff, and I find people are not really gravitating towards so much fine dining where it's maybe a little bit more pretentious, and they're not gravitating towards when we always a pub on the lower end of the spectrum, but they're always wanting to look for something a bit more elevated. So I'm taking Camor's elevation, and because that's where we live and that's where we have a lot of tourists, and I'm playing on that whole theme. That's awesome. Like, totally, yeah, play on words. Yeah. That's super cool. Wow. Um, what's the population of Canmore and how has your experiences in Prince Rupert sort of led you to Canmore or how did you end up like making it your home? Right. Well, um, okay. So Canmore population is about 13,000 something. Um, I don't have exact numbers obviously, but I think that's close to what Prince Rupert might be now or was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Canmore is a tourism destination, so I think we have about 30,000 homes here, but half of them are permanent residents and the other half are vacation homes. So we see huge influxes on the weekends and holidays and summer and all that stuff. So we'll go from maybe the midweek to only about 13,000, 15,000 people here, and then on the weekend it surges to closer to 30,000 with tourists and all the hotels and all the vacation homes and people's, there's a lot of second homes here too. So it's a lot different than a lot of other places. Crazy. Um, and I came here because my dad moved here, I think in 2000, maybe a bit earlier than that. And then, so I started visiting him here obviously a lot. And then I really liked it here. And then I got my first job, as I told you during the summer. And then I just kept coming back. For a few summers and then I ended up moving here as soon as I graduated and then I bounced between here and Vancouver for a while mm-hmm. um, just trying to figure out where I really wanted to be and then I ended up liking this as my home and to touch on the what have I brought from Prince Rupert to here I guess I would say I like the small town vibe and I do bring a lot of seafood into my cookie because <laughs> oh, <sweet. laughs> I miss that in the mountains yeah so <laughs> yeah so it's like, I, I have no idea where Canmore is. It, like, can you give like a, a reference to maybe where I would? Yeah, so we're about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Calgary. And then we're oh, 15 okay. minutes from Banff. So we're between the two cities. Um, and if you drove from Prince Rupert and you went the Jasper route, you would hit Banff first and then 
hit Canworm and Calgary would be after that. Oh, okay. So it seems like it's just over there then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually my hope to get out there this summer, like, because I have a brother in Edmonton and we want to do the road trip. So I'm hoping I, I get to stop in and and see your restaurant. So if Yes, we're... that would be amazing. It'd be amazing to see you too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please let me know if you come. I will for sure. <laughs> So when are you um, officially officially opening? So I still don't have an official date yet, um, as we've had many setbacks with this restaurant. Um, but we're aiming for the end of June now. Oh wow! What? So construction's still happening because um, we had a setback with a fire, construction fire. So that set us back about a month. We should have been open by now. Um, but our plan is to be open by the end of June. I love how you like your tone is just very kind of like, yeah, you know, we had a fire, but <laughs> you know, we're, we're still going forward, and you know, it's, it's going to be pretty, pretty dope. You're very so. calm. Yeah, exactly. Your very your cadence is just like very, you I, know, very calming. So it's I, I've dealt with these kind of things a lot before, <laughs> so maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's that's awesome. How many people do you hope to staff at the restaurant? And what's your biggest challenge, I guess, in, in the industry? Um, in the industry overall or now, would you say, Christine? Um, let's do both. <laughs> okay, well, um, so I designed this restaurant to be um, have a small amount of staff because that's always been a problem in the Bow Valley and Canmore area with staffing. Um, it's really hard to find staff here and it's really hard for staff to find housing here and it's extremely expensive here. So it was kind of this vicious cycle where even as a small business owner, you really couldn't pay your staff, uh, you know, a high amount so that they could afford the rent here. And so it's always been a struggle of that balance of being able to pay people and people to be able to live and work here. Um, so this time around with this restaurant, I designed it extremely small. Like my kitchen is only a two person kitchen oh, ever. Wow. So the people working in there will be doing dishes and cooking and doing everything. And then, you know, I hope to have one bartender and then a few servers. So, you know, including myself, maybe seven people. Okay. Maybe a bit, maybe a bit more. Um, and then the challenge is now I think it's, um, going to be dealing with all the new COVID rules, but I think it's reversed now with staffing because so many people have lost jobs. I don't think it'll be hard for me to find staff anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like very, very intimate, like an intimate setting. It is. It's it's a very intimate, um, feel good vibe kind of place. It's not like a big open restaurant. It's, um, it's nice and comfortable. So have you, have you ever worked in like a, like a big chain restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. I worked at, um, Joey's, not Joey's only seafood, but Joey's the chain. I worked at the one on Burrard downtown Vancouver for a while and I did that specifically so I could learn um you know how they run their operations because they obviously run a tight ship that's why they have multiple locations and do do well and I learned a lot there holy smokes so do you ever see yourself like expanding like a a one of your restaurants that you 
Yes, um, that's always been the plan. Like, I've always wanted to expand and have multiple, um, but it, it's hard. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we will see. I mean, I'd like to see one in Vancouver, maybe one in Prince Rupert. That'd be <laughs> um, awesome. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Maybe another one in Calgary and Banff and everything, right. but it takes time, right? So For yeah. sure. Um, but it's still a dream, and I'm still going to work towards it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, have you been back to Prince Rupert lately? And do you notice a change in Prince Rupert? or Whenever you got home. Oh, um, yeah. I was there in January, actually, to visit my family. And um, I always notice a change. Like it's, It feels like the older you get, the more it changes from when you were younger. <laughs> I, I find. I don't know. Because yeah. it's sure. gone so, so long, right? And then you remember one thing specifically a certain way and then you leave and then you come back and it's changed. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that have changed there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some of like your, your idols in the, in the restaurant industry and like, do you have any, or are there people that you look up to? Yes. Um, there's a lot of celebrity chefs and famous chefs I look up to, but David Chang is one of my favorites. Um, and then Daniel Hume as well. Um, I've been to multiple of their restaurants, both of them in New York and Las Vegas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I find that they're amazing chefs and they're always innovative and their service and their quality is amazing. Mm-hmm. Two of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I kind of remember, uh, I started following you on Instagram like a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I kind of remember you, like, were you in a, a, a cooking challenge or a, like a... Yes. Um, I did the 2000, I competed in the 2017 gold medal plates in oh, Calgary. Oh, wow. And then I won one gold. And then I went on to <laughs> nationals, so the Canadian Culinary Championships in Kelowna. And then I um, didn't technically place there. Wow. Gold's pretty big that, though. So what was your, what was, how did you get the gold? Um, lots of practice and stress. <laughs> <laughs> what would like, what was it a specific dish that you presented? Or? Yeah. So you had to come up with one dish and then you had to serve that dish to around 700 guests within two hours. Um, <laughs> and then during that time you would get called up to present your dish to the judges and the, the dish that you presented to the judges had to be the same one that you were, like, the exact same that you're serving to the guests. And then they judge you on, I can't remember all the pointing system, but, you know, flavor and um, wow. presentation and creativity and all that stuff out of 100, I think. Wow. Wow. And then I think I competed against 11 or 12 other chefs. So. Oh, my God. That's insane. And do, yeah, you, do you remember what you made? Yeah, I, I made a gojujang lacquered pork belly with um, a garlic prawn paper, crispy ramen, <laughs> yuzu pearls, and a 63-degree egg yolk with micro cilantro and micro radish <laughs> and uh, nori. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the next time you're here, I'm coming for dinner. <laughs> it used to be on my menu, but then my chefs hated making it, so I stopped serving it. <laughs> well, yeah, like the... The specific degree for the yolk? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
I can't even... Like, I can't poach an egg, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. So when you open your restaurant, um, like, do you already have the menu planned out? Like, um, like is everything kind of set, or will you just decide the week before? I don't, I don't know how. So how it it's takes. a bit of both, Christine. Actually, like I have a, like hundreds of pages of ideas that I write down all the time over the years, inspiration from everywhere, and then I kind of narrow it down to what I want to do. And so right now I'm about at about two pages and then basically I need to get into this new kitchen because I've ordered a lot of new high tech cooking equipment that I've never worked with before. So I need to get in there and then kind of do a couple run throughs with some of the top contenders. And then I'll go from there. Like some ideas I have down on paper right now might not even work. Uh And even if you test it at home, it's always going to be different in a restaurant setting. Like your equipment's different, your heat's different, right. your plating's different, your server's got to walk with it, all this stuff, right? So you have to do a lot of tests. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I get in there, I'll be running a lot of tests on, you know, the top contenders for the menu right now. Super wow. cool. And how do you de-stress from from all of this, like the the busy life? I'm assuming there's a lot of things to do in Canmore, but yeah, how do you take it down a notch I guess honestly my favorite thing it's maybe really cliche but it's just to go out to a restaurant and have drinks and dinner and be served and cooked by from from someone else nice (laughs) Nice. (laughs) it's my favorite thing to do and then I love traveling so I travel a lot whenever I can whenever I get the time Mm -hmm. and then living in camera like I try to hike or bike as much as I can but that's even hard sometimes when you're here. It's almost like you need to remove yourself. Mm-hmm. So then you're away from work. Um, but yeah, those are some of my favorite things to do. And I have all these technical questions, but I don't know if they're even yeah. technical. But like, do you mainly order like a lot of food, obviously from Canada, but do you, do you import food too? Like, what does it look like? Yeah, so I try to use as much local and sustainable stuff as I can. So I really try to get most of my, almost all my seafood always comes from the OceanWise program in BC. And then I get almost all my protein from Alberta. And I get a lot of vegetables and stuff from Alberta. And then anything that I would have imported, honestly, is, um, so I should say a lot of my vegetables come from BC as well. Saskatchewan but um, a lot of things that I would need imported are like French cheeses that we just we don't make here or sometimes I use yuzu from Japan so that has to come in things like that but wherever I can I use local Canadian products Um, but some things just obviously don't grow here so then I import them. So you must have like a a, quite a vast network of um, just like places to, to source all of this that you, you grew yourself or that you just kind of like kind of sucked from the places that you've worked, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've built many relationships over the year and I've met many farmers and people along the way. And then I just felt built like a great network of people that I use. And then there's some really great companies out of Vancouver and Calgary that directly work with a lot of local farmers so it's kind of a one-stop shop for me right Mm -hmm. so i can go to like this one called galley max trading and then i'll just order from them mushrooms and tomatoes and this and that but they come from all local farms between bc and alberta wow it's super cool 
Okay. Mm. And do you have any Pride Inside plans, or what's camera like for the LGBT scene, or is there one? So, there, I mean, there's always a scene everywhere, but it's not as um, prominent in Canmore as it is in Banff. And I think just because the two towns are so close in proximity that Banff has a pride every year and they do big events and everything. So I think because the two towns are quite small, everyone just goes to Banff for pride. Okay. Um, but I'll definitely be working in that, working that into like my menus and like we're definitely like an LGBT safe place for people to come and dine and I want to let people know that when I mm-hmm. open and that's amazing um, yeah I'm going to get working on a few things for Pride that's super cool I'm kidding um, in terms of like do you do you have a specialty like your favorite thing to cook or or do you I know you do like a variety of things but is there one thing that you just yeah. love to make um, honestly, no. Everyone always asks me that as a chef. <laughs> I, there isn't one thing that I love to make. I love cooking everything, and I'm always learning. Like I'm always looking for the newest thing to learn because it's never ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there honestly isn't something like anything specific that I love to cook. Okay, so like with with coronavirus, COVID, and all that, um, I find you know looking on other people's Instagram, blah blah blah. Um, people are looking for like comfort foods and retro kind of comfort kind of spaces and stuff like that. So what yeah. would be, what would be like your go-to comfort food where you would just go, had a bad day, had a Monday and just had to get in your kitchen and make something to do with pasta for sure. I love making pasta from scratch. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that would be my, my go-to comfort and whether it be like a vodka sauce with seafood or something like that. That would be my comfort food. <laughs> <laughs> Please open a restaurant in Prince Rupert. <laughs> right. Yeah, you could open it on Mount Hayes. That would be awesome. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I've al- I always eye up that um, old brick building down by Quinitza. I know. That would be amazing. On the waterfront, right? Yeah. 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 But I think it's owned by CP, so I don't know if that would ever happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I think CN does own it. So when everything returns to normal or the new normal and you can travel again, um, where do you want to go to next? Or is is there a part of your season where you would shut down your restaurant? Or so because it's new, um, we you know February is always the end of January, beginning of February is always the slowest time for us. So that would be something I'd have to look at. Um, and yeah, I will not be traveling anywhere for a while just because it's a lot to get a new restaurant up and running. Like you got to put at least a year, year and a half in before you're going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I did go anywhere, it might be for like a night or two nights. So somewhere local, maybe to Invermere or just Calgary or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my new obsession is I really want to go down to Louisiana and go to New Orleans and eat <laughs> all the food there because I haven't done it yet. Yeah. So that's my goal. <laughs> I went to um, New Orleans in 2008. It was just before I adopted my son. 
And yeah. I totally want to go back there. It is such a fun place and the food is amazing. And I heard this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's got a great vibe. Like it, you feel very alive there. It's super fun. Wow. Yeah. So I highly recommend um, it. And I keep looking at recipes and they've got something I want to try too. They've got some restaurants down there now that are doing like Viet Cajun. So it's like a blend between Vietnamese and Cajun food. Wow. And it just sounds like unreal. So that's one of the reasons why I want to go down there and try some of it. But I think I'm going to start playing around with it on this menu even. I've yeah. done a bit of research. Do you ever do like vegetarian or vegan nights or any vegan you know that yeah i always have plant-based options on my menus um and this menu actually because that is a pop culture thing right now i will have um more plant-based things than i've ever had before on this menu wow speaking of like pop culture one of the things that i've noticed is a lot of uh culinary chefs are kind of dipping into the cannabis kind of I guess ingredients for yeah. incorporating that into their their menus and stuff like that. Have you ever considered something like that? Or yes, so I've watched that series on Vice called Bong Appetit. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. It's and called it's Bong. Quite, it's, <laughs> it's quite amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I have um, a few books and stuff, but I haven't delved too much into it because I don't know much about the laws yet, and I'm kind of waiting for them to like right roll out some more rules and regulations. I know there was some places that weren't including THC in anything, but we're doing more like cocktails with CBD and stuff. Oh, wow. But I'm not sure the laws on that. I think I'd have to do more research into that. Right. Um, but that's something I'm definitely going to look at down the road. Um, I don't know if we'll ever be able to serve food with THC in it in a restaurant. Right. I don't know if they'll ever allow that, but they might allow CBD stuff. So that could be interesting as well. Yeah, no kidding. Because there's uh, one show on Netflix. Um, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. Cannabis something. Khalees, the pop singer Khalees, she actually hosts it. It's like a... Um, like a like a game show, basically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like like chopped or whatever. But they they all have to incorporate THC, cannabis. yeah, cannabis, THC, uh, CBD, and all this other stuff. And it's it's actually really really interesting. You know, of course, you know the comedy factors there, where everyone's like, oh wow, I feel it. But it's really <laughs> inter- interesting to see like that kind of just come in the conversation. First of all. Yeah, for in a, sure. In a pop culture kind of sense where before, mm-hmm. like, you know, before all of this, it was like, you know. Taboo. On, yeah, on the street corner. So. Yeah. yeah I'm actually, sure. I'm actually, I feel really naive right now asking this, but when you put it in food, I'm assuming you get some sort of body stone or. Yeah. Or you're just, okay. So it's just like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like using like the coconut oil or the, the butter okay. or olive yeah. oil or, and you just have to make sure it's dosed properly and then just yeah. kind okay. of follow those guidelines. Well, and there's the micro dosing culture too, right? Like where yeah. I've yeah. seen, like when you were talking about serving it in cocktails, people have been doing that with beer too, right? Yeah. 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 So, hmm. It's Thanks very interesting. It's a, it's a wild world with yeah. that stuff. It's a whole <laughs> other level. Yeah, and I have looked into it. I'm just not quite there yet because I don't really do this stuff myself very sure. much. Like I've obviously sure. tried edibles, but I don't smoke or anything like that. So yeah. um, that's something I would look at more down the road, I think. Do you see any any restaurants or anything around or just, I don't know, around you that 
have kind of dabbled in that? No, I haven't seen any yet around here. That's what makes me think I don't know if it's quite legal yet or if there's right. rules around that. So, Wow. So end of June, um, and then obviously, hopefully, there's some great tourism this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you most excited about with opening your restaurant? Is, is it like a rush? Like, do you, do you stress? Um, it is always a rush and it's always stressful, <laughs> but I've done it so many times now. And I've really taken my time with this one where I don't feel that stress. I've taken my time to not rush it. Like I'm basically sitting at home now with almost every single thing I can possibly do from home. Um, and I'm just waiting for construction to be done so I can move in. <laughs> I have all the furniture here ready and set up. I have all my, you know, multiple business plans and all my bookkeeping and my point of sale system and oh my, my menu design and my signage and my advertising and my social media, my website, all that stuff. It's all ready to go. I just kind of need to get in there. <laughs> That's amazing. So like you had like everything like from the design, the fabric and for basically everything in those walls you've like you've thought it out yeah and I've got all my plates and my cutlery and my napkins and like every single thing down to we're going to be using reusable metal straws and I have a specific cleaner for them and like it's all just sitting here at my house (laughs) cool that is amazing um obviously we've all been in the is this weird time too with the pandemic has has anything like changed for you during the pandemic like do you are you grateful for the time like has it given you new insight um to be honest it's been a roller coaster of emotions you know at the beginning it was like all fun and we're all having cocktails and i was cooking pasta every day and then that wears <laughs> off and then you go into like the doom and gloom like what does this mean for my business and am i going to be able to survive and make it and when are we ever going to get out of this and then right and then you see the positives and the silver lining like i'm lucky that i didn't have to lay a bunch of people off and i didn't have a ton of overhead with this restaurant um yet like a lot of people did and i feel sad for those people mm-hmm. um and I really feel for them. So I've been trying to support as much as I can with takeout and even some have opened in Alberta now and have gone. Um, but I've been grateful for the, the time to like center myself a little bit and hike and bike a bit more and get relaxed before I get into a bit more stressful period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think would be really neat is after you open, if we could come back and chat with you about a, a part two. Um, Just like what the what your expectations were and to what it actually turned out to be, maybe? Yeah, and, and yeah. just to, you know, have a fun little Follow episode up. about, yeah. you know, we could talk about your menu and, and yeah, just how it's going and stuff because it's super exciting watching I would love to do that yeah it'd be awesome it kind of sounds like like just from from listening to you talk about it it sounds like a like an experience like you know you go there for um I'm assuming for like appies the main and like a dessert cocktails and stuff like that but you're not yeah you're not rushed you're not like okay let's just eat here and get the heck out yeah no and you know what that's another big thing I'm really trying to flip 
the dining experience back to the customer and back to um, the diner because there's a lot of restaurants now where you go and it's like it's all tapas and you have to share and then you have, there's other restaurants that you go and it is a three course so there's other places that you go and it maybe this certain style of dining and I really wanted to kind of eliminate all that and just make every guest feel special so I'm actually doing small medium and large plates oh, wow. so if you want to come in and you are with a group of friends and you want to share a bunch of plates and have different flavors and everything you can and then if you don't and you want to sit down and have a beautiful three-course dinner as a couple or whatever you can do that too um and i'm putting a lot of options on there for gluten-free and lactose and plant-based and all this stuff so that it makes it easier and more enjoyable for the diner Right. Rather than going into somewhere and being someone vegan and all you can eat on the menu is French fries or <laughs> yeah. water, <laughs> right? And you're gluten free and you can't eat half the menu or this or that. Right. Um, I'm really, really trying to make it an enjoyable experience for the customer this time, and I'm gonna try and not say no to anything. That's wow. exciting. That's very yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for it. No kidding. I've been in that space as a chef where I've just been like, this is the way my menu is and this is how you have to eat. And, you know, you grow up and you grow as you get older and in your career and you realize, you know, maybe that's not the right way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, how have you changed as, like, as a, a person um, in terms of, you know, coming out when you were younger and you're older now and you're more established and you're more mature, like. Well, well, before I was just terrified for my life all the time. (laughs) Like (laughs) it was just scary. And it took me a long time to come out of my shell and be comfortable. And then once I kind of got to that place and I didn't care what people thought, because, you know, I will say this too, um, the culinary industry and the, especially the chef world is very, masculine and male driven Mm -hmm. so I've worked in a lot of kitchens with a lot of masculine men um, and that was very hard at times but then once you just kind of figure out who you are and just accept that that's who you want to be and don't care what other people think then it kind of becomes easier like it's almost like I have this persona now as like that gay chef as cliche as that sounds but it, it works for me because people know and I don't have to hide it and I don't change who I am for that yeah I think um that's something that I've really realized too is that I don't really care anymore but about what anyone thinks like I used to be so terrified too and now I'm just kind of like whatever you know yeah and I I wish I had that confidence in grade six or grade eight right (laughs) grade 12 but um Especially yeah. from such a small town kind of perspective. Or... Mm-hmm. Yes, for so. sure. And I think it just comes with age too. Like eventually you realize like you don't need to worry about what other people think. And I feel like once you reach that space, yeah. Yeah. it's easier just to go about your day-to-day life no matter what it is, no matter work or if you're at the grocery store or anything, like yeah. you can feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you have any advice for young people going into the culinary world or? Um, Yes, I do. I would say go to school if you can, because like knowledge is 
we can't get it anywhere else. It's amazing. Um, and then travel as much as you can when you're younger and go eat more places and go do the stages and go to the Michelin star restaurants that want you to work for free in France for three months. Like do it. <laughs> I wish I did more of that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm just in a place like I can't now. Um, right. but I would highly, highly recommend that because that experience and those, um, you know, chefs work, working for those chefs on your resume and those references and stuff, they're, um, priceless. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And just the traveling too. So do you have any, do you have any, like an ultimate bucket list for your, like your, your career that you're kind of driving towards or you're just kind of going, you know what? It changes all the time. Right. Like sometimes I want a chain of a hundred restaurants and then others I want to do something completely different with food where it's more an e-commerce based business. Um, I don't know. I just, I evolve all the time and I was doing the competitions there, but then I didn't like it for a bit because it was really stressful. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm in a place where I feel like I could go back to that. Maybe, um, I'm always working on something. I was working on a TV show for a while. I got wow. asked, asked to be on top chef, but I turned that down. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's I just, awesome. I wasn't ready. I just got out of the Canadian culinary championships and it was very stressful for me. So right. yeah. um, I needed to take a break. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to, to listen to yourself too, like, um, and just pay attention to the stress and, mm-hmm. and you can tell like, you know, you're very calm and, and yeah. you know, you've had a lot of experience, but I think it, I think I'm the same as you. Like I'm, I'm always thinking about what will I do next or whatever. And this year it was like, I want to work from home. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't know if I wish that witch, on myself. You're a witch, Christine. You're a witch. You manifested it. Yeah, I feel like I did. Um, so Blake, you've had a couple of, of restaurants. Um, just curious with this new venture, are you doing this on your own or are you partnering with with anyone or so with this new venture i'm actually doing it with my fiance <gasps> and partner kale mciver oh, fiance nice. congratulations oh my gosh well, thank you <laughs> that's amazing we postponed our wedding like three times now <laughs> <laughs> that's okay so is so kale is is kale a chef as well or is no um kale's actually new to the hospitality industry um he kind of got started when he met me and then I kind of like got him involved a little bit and started to like it. So right on. Yeah. And how did you two meet? We actually met on Instagram. Cool. Um, <laughs> four years ago, he commented on my photo and then it just went from there. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> that's totally awesome. So yeah. what's, what's it like, you know, um, Working with a partner. Working with your partner and, and getting this off the ground. Like, is it fun? Is it stressful? Like. It's, it's honestly so fun. Like we're so, we work so well together. So if you want to split up the restaurant into two parts, there's the back of the house, which would be like the kitchen side, which would be my focus. And then the front of the house would be his focus. He's really good with people and like ultra detailed in um, customer service and that stuff. So that's kind of, going to be his forte and then I'll be the back of the house like the kitchen and the food and that stuff so 
And um, we work really well together. Oh, that's... And it's fun. Super exciting. And probably really supportive, too, for the both of you right now to support each other, you know, in these weird times and, and getting your restaurant off the ground. It honestly is. You know why? Because at the end of the day, when you have a rough day, like just something doesn't go right or it was a harder day or whatever, like you're both in it together and you both have each other at the end of the day. You can kind of go home and like decompress and figure it out and get ready to tackle the next day. It's really nice, actually. For sure. Because no no better person to kind of decompress with than the one who's going through it with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So when do you plan to tie the knot? Well, it was supposed to be this summer, um, but we postponed it way before COVID ever happened. Um, we honestly, we just felt like we were, we weren't enjoying the process yet. Mm -hmm. We weren't in that headspace and we were, you know, we had this dream wedding and we wanted to be perfect, obviously, because we're both perfectionists and (laughs) we looked at venues. Um, we hope to get married in Vancouver just because it's kind of a good location for both our families. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we went there and we looked at venues and stuff and then it just, it felt, it didn't feel right and it didn't feel fun and not because anything to do with us. We just weren't enjoying the process of planning the wedding. And I think that's because we had the business Mm -hmm. on top of it as well. And then we just bought a new house and there's all these things. And it just was like, you know what, like what we were like, why are we rushing this? Yeah. Um, Let's get our new restaurant up and running and sorted first. And then maybe after that we can focus on getting married and planning that event. It was just, I think it was just a lot for us all at once. So right now it's just postponed until further notice. Um, But I think maybe next summer or the following one. Yeah. We know we want to do it in the summer and we know we want to do it probably in Vancouver. So we know that much. But no, it's, it's super exciting to talk to you, Blake. And, you know, we definitely want to come back for a a part two after you open up and, and I hope I would love that. And it was so great talking to you guys too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I hope, um, BC is allowed to visit Alberta this summer because I, I would love to come in and give you a hug and see your restaurant. So yes, that would be amazing. I think they're going to, um, loosen up the reins here soon. I have a feeling. I hope so. Well, definitely take care and thank you so much for for your conversation and your amazing kind of stories and insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for having me, you guys. Anytime. Okay, I'm just gonna stop right. Yeah.